Motorplex. It's the NHRA Fall Texas Nationals, and we are here for another NHRA Insider Live on Saturday morning. The action has been hot and heavy so far this weekend. We've got three big guests lined up on this show. Tony Pendragon and I are going to take you through them. We're starting, though, with the editor of National Dragster, Phil Burgess. Great to have you on, Phil. It's great to be on. Exciting to, excited for the day ahead. So let's talk about the night before, because the day ahead has a lot to show us. But, man, last night, a lot of you may have watched it streaming live on NHRA social channels, but it was... Like for a guy who's seen a lot of stuff out here, that was something else. Yeah, that was really something. I mean, I've, I've been coming to the Motorplex since it opened in 86. And back then, it, it was really the place where, probably the only place that you ran low ET, because it was all concrete before we had those. And last night, it brought itself back into that legendary status. I mean, you know, career bests everywhere, almost record fields, what I'm sure we'll have today. And it's just, yeah, just spectacular. Look, and you're going to hear that a lot this weekend. We talk about the original Super Track. Now, there's a lot of Super Tracks, but this was the original. This was one of the first that had all concrete. Now, as good as this track has always been, if it's 90 degrees here, that doesn't do these racers any good when they can't utilize the horsepower. But when you have conditions like we have this weekend, you're going to notice a lot of background uh, jackets. We're not in Ennis, Montana. We are in Ennis, <laughs> Texas. The high might get to 70 degrees. That just means that it's going to get quicker. And and potentially faster over the course of the weekend. Absolutely, I'm really looking forward to today. It's gonna to cool down, I think you said 1,100 feet altitude predicted for today, which is really good for these cars. And uh, I think we're gonna see some really, I think we're gonna see better runs than last night overall. I don't know if we're going to get past number one, but we'll yeah. see. So to get our audience quickly up to speed on what we did see yesterday, unsurprisingly, we saw Gage Herrera freight train gap the Pro Stock motorcycle field like he's done all season. And we, I think that would have been a safe prediction for us to make at any point. In the Pro Stock category, we saw Derek Kramer make the quickest run of the entire year going 648. He got a bonus of $7,500. It was a, a bonus of, what, five grand for five the bikes, 7500 last night for Pro Stock car. In Nitro Funny Car, it was Bob Tasca running 382, which is my understanding is the quickest run since we stood the headers back up a half a decade ago. We were at 2018 uh, Winter Nationals, we had one run at that same ET. But yeah, since, since we switched the headers back to more upright, I mean, it's, you look at all the top 10 runs are off in 2017 and before. And then, of course, in top fuel, the Texas boy himself, Steve Torrance, the Capco Contractors car, came out and ripped a 363 to grab the number one spot and 15000 bucks. Yeah, it's a shame we didn't have a qualifying show. We're going to highlight all that in today's show, yes. of course, that we're going to tape. But uh, very a lot of drama, just so much yep. excitement. The conditions were there. And uh, when we saw a couple of, we saw the 367 from Justin Ashley. It's like, all right, these guys are back in the game. We saw Sean Langdon rip off a, a, 380, a 368. So we saw the pattern coming. And then, of course, all the good cars that capitalized on the first yep. qualifying session, we saw those two or three pair. And um, it, it just, you know, Steve Torrance, I think, once again, solidified the fact that he's not going anywhere no. <laughs> anytime soon. It is going to be Doug Collette. It's going to be Justin Ashley. Antron shows up every now and again. Leah somehow has yes. managed to enter this race number two, two on the points. points yeah. But you cannot discount Steve Torrance. I think he just showed the strength of that team again last night. Absolutely. And Phil, I want to double back to Pro Stock Motorcycle because obviously we've spent an entire season talking about Gage, but we have to. Right. And, and to me, I want your historical perspective for what your eyes tell you and what the kind of your feelings are and what this guy's done so far. Right. I, I can't remember another first-year rider that's done that well. I mean, he's if he stays number one here, he'll tie the record by Matt Hines, 12 number ones for a season. He's won so much this year that nobody, you know, he's, he's approaching the realms of like a Dave Schultz or a John Myers or Matt Hines or Andrew Hines. You know, for a guy that's in his, you know, first full year of yeah. riding a pro thing, he obviously had a lot of experience on some no-bar bikes, yeah. but he's really impressive. We asked him last night, 
He ran six races in 2022, lost his Rookie of the Year eligibility. <laughs> and I asked him, I says, you know, you know, would you take that back? He said, no, those six races got me to where I am right now. You know, I would love to have been Rookie of the Year, but if I didn't have those six races last year, I wouldn't be as far ahead as I am right now. Hey, Tony, I think it's a fair trade. If, I, if I'm going to trade a Rookie of the Year trophy for maybe a championship trophy, I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know, it's funny that a lot of these drivers, depending on where we're at and what their narrative is, they're always going to say, well, Rookie of the Year, that's one of the biggest. And <laughs> that nah, really isn't. U.S. Nationals, that is, without question, yeah. one of the biggest races, not necessarily in terms of popularity. You can argue about Denver. You can argue about Gainesville and, and Redding, Maple Grove, how big of a crowd they get. But make no mistake about it, the end goal what makes a career is winning a championship, yep. and I'm pretty sure that's the, the number one thing that is on the mind of Gage Herrera. was not a drama-free day yesterday. In fact, it was a fairly high-drama day. We need to talk again in the Pro Stock Motorcycle category. Chase Van Zandt, now you notice us sitting here. I don't have enough hair for it to move. Phil is smart enough to wear a hat, but you can see the, you can see the quaff moving around here. It's a pretty windy weekend, and it has been windy all weekend long, and it's been a shearing wind. When I first got here, we started calling sportsman cars on Thursday. It was blowing directly what would have been in our face now it's at our back chase van zandt had a rough time of it he, he, he did he he had a similar problem in charlotte that he actually i think scraped the wall in charlotte in the shutdown area but yesterday as soon as he crossed the finish line you can see the bike was starting to go left uh, starting to go right he corrected immediately got a, got a leg down and apparently too far he actually got his knee contacted the wall, and at that speed, it is basically like running your knee on a, at a belt grinder at 100 and some miles an hour to the point where he had to be transported uh, for medical review. We understand he sustained some pretty decent damage to his kneecap. Yeah, it does sound like that. Uh, it's going to be great if we can get him at the racetrack, and it's not going to change. In fact, if anything, it's going to be worse today. Right now, the racetrack, for those of you that are watching online, um, is adjacent to where we're sitting. So this is going to be a crosswind. And right after that incident from Chase, it was Gage Herrera that did almost the same yeah. thing. They yeah. really had to hang themselves off the left side of the bike just to keep themselves out of the wall. And it's going to continue today. So in the funny car category, it has been years since we have seen two race cars crash into each other at speed on a racetrack, uh, especially a Nitro funny car. We had Dale Creasy Jr. and Dave Richards get together at the eighth mile. Uh, both cars are traveling well over 200 miles an hour. You know, when we, whenever we see funny cars contact each other at speed, it is, uh, it is, uh, it, it's bone chilling. Absolutely. That reminded me of the 86 World Finals where Davey Hart ran in the back of Ron Carini's car. YouTube that. It's uh, pretty spectacular. But similar thing, contact with the, the right rear quarter of the car at speed, and it's devastating. You know, both those are I'm very happy that they both come out okay. And unfortunately, those are two guys that couldn't afford to have that happen. Yeah, and what started out to be 18 funny cars that would have see, seen a lot of drama yeah. and qualifying now is down to 16. But it is unfortunate, and it just goes to show you that every now and again, this sport will remind you how dangerous it is, the risk that these drivers take. And, you know, for Dale Creasy Jr., he's really been flirting with that with an incident like this over the last couple of years. I know that John Force in the past has had some issues. Yeah. As these cars continue to make more power, they continue to accelerate harder. I think that is really where you need to put some of the blame. It's just a quicker car than it used to be. And for Dale Creasy, you know, it's just car control. When you lose control of your car, um, you're at the mercy of physics. And I think that was a classic case. You could see the car leave the starting line. It started a black track. When it leaves those black tracks directly behind the car, and when they're very pronounced, that means the tire is spinning. That means the tire is spinning excessively. And, you know, the one thing that every driver, every rider has to keep in mind, when that car starts to spin the tires, you can hear the engine RPM start to come up. You can feel it and that's why you can never lose your feel for a race car 
And if you're really paying attention, you get off the throttle. That fixes everything. Unfortunately for Dale Creasy Jr., he stayed on the throttle. That's a classic mistake that some of these drivers make and, of course, went into Dave Richards' lane. Now, for Dave Richards, you, your peripheral vision isn't very good in a funny right. car. So while we could see the Dale Creasy car coming over into his lane, he couldn't until it was too late and right into the back. Unfortunately, they were both okay. And the double down for Richards was after the impact, the left front side of his car was so basically torn off. So he had no brakes, he had no ability to steer it, and he had no ability to even slow it down. And so the secondary impact that he got in that left front, uh, you know, it just the whole thing was horrible. And, and those of you that are streaming this at home, you've seen the slow motion video. And it is, again, it is very harrowing, and it was certainly, um, it was certainly something when we heard both of the drivers climb out under their own power, the whole place erupted. I think all of us were able to, to take a deep breath. But let's transition onto a, a slightly more happy topic here, <laughs> and that is the, the rise of Doug Coletta, which, you know, a little bit of a stub of the toe in St. Louis with the second-round loss, but they come right out here and fire a 65 at this crowd in the first round. Right, yeah, they've obviously, you know, got one of the baddest hot rods. Obviously, you know, Torrance went quicker last night, and we yeah. asked him, about that he said don't be you know don't be claiming us that yet you know we did it one time <laughs> doug's done it several times but you know they've been pretty consistent over the, they've only won one race this year yeah. they've had probably a more consistent car over the course of the season than doug i think they're gonna be tough in the last three races yeah and there's a team that have all the resources they have the capability of hiring talent and they did they made yep. some changes it really shook that team up a couple of years ago and it's really taken over a year and a half for them to develop what they have right now so if there is an upside to making too much power because the issue with them has seemed to rear its head when the conditions have been hot. Yep. We really haven't had too many hot races here in this countdown, and that's really where we've seen them shine. But, Brian, you and I have seen this pattern. We saw it coming. Yep. They flashed early in the year. They made a, a pretty impressive, spectacular run in Gainesville. Yeah, that's 64 they, in Gainesville. They yeah. just couldn't do it consistently, and, well, get a load of this weather. This really plays into the hands of that tuner in particular. Yeah. I mean, do you look at there, there's 11 cars qualified in the 360s, so that tells you how tough it is. And we're one car, two cars away from a record field there, but that field only had three guys in the 360s. So and my understanding is that was that a 71 bump at Indy somewhere? 75, 75, 75 by Dan Mercier. So we're I think Jacob McNeil and uh, Buddy Hull are the only ones that are keeping us from a record field. We're one car away in Pro Stock from the all-time quickest field, which was back in the carburetor days. Yeah. So, so pretty impressive. It is. Over our shoulder here, you guys can't see it, but the Clay Milliken Parts Plus team's back there. Have you seen a more manic season of a top fuel team than Clay Milliken has had? I mean, no. the three victories, and you're like, man, the guy's won three races. He must be in the the top. Oh, he's down there at, like, eighth. Uh, I think he had, had that set where if he won the first round, he won the race, and a lot of times he didn't win the first round. But it's great to see him. And obviously Absolutely. Clay's a tremendous ambassador for our sport, and nobody seems happier when they win than, than him. So we're all happy. You know, those of us that know him, and the trails, the trials and tribulations he's had, you know, good to see him out there too. You know, and their car's always been good. You know, yes. we've seen Clay Milliken in the winter circle at least once, yes. uh, to your point. Um, but one of the things that Clay has done as a driver, and, and I think the competition forces certain drivers into a position, they're either going to get better or they're not. Sink yep. or swim. One thing that Clay has done is he's risen to the occasion. Whatever he has done in the offseason, whatever he has done men mentally, has really made some big improvements. Because what it comes down to, we see a lot in pro stock where you have the parity. You have a lot of cars that run within a hundredth, two, three hundredths of a second. So it comes down to what the driver does on the starting line. And Clay Milliken could have easily lost that race in the final two weeks ago. But that's what the driver does. So sometimes... You know, a lot of people in this sport ask, well, how much is it the car? Yeah. Well, it could be 90% the car, 10% of the driver. But today, 
it's at least 50-50 and sometimes it's 60-40. The driver is going to determine the outcome of a race. So we talk about funny car and, you know, there was always that select group of guys that we knew could dial up right. an 80 here or there and they needed it in the good conditions. And I joked with him on our on our audio podcast this week. Remember that movie, The Great Outdoors, with the old ninety six or the state? Right, yeah. Well, now you got to be the old eighty six around here, right? Absolutely, if you're going to be yeah. somebody, it's wild. Yeah. And especially right behind us is Bob Tasker's pit area. The eighty two last night, maybe raw performance wise, the run of the season. Absolutely, that was. I mean, we saw, he kind of set it up in Charlotte. He went eighty three with a cylinder out, and he said that they knew there was more, and if they could get it right, and they got it right last night. I mean, that was you know the best run in five six years. Well, when you talk about Doug Coletta and, and how long it has taken for them to show up, to, yep. to be able to perform consistently, find themselves in the winner's circle, that's really the case with this team here. A new crew chief, a new assistant, or rather co-crew chief, yep. and, uh, and just different personnel. And I think the interesting thing about this team is nobody expected them to be here. No. Yet they're here. <laughs> they're in this Even position. Even Bob Tasca said in the media center, nobody expected me to be in the top four. At, you know, coming down to the thing, and, and he was. And like I said, to your point, it, it's it's a whole new crew chief set over there. And Bob said, he said, I've never had a car that could run good in throwdown conditions like like Hyde or Hagen, and, and now he's got that car. Well, it would flash, but now they can do it consistently. And, I, you know, it's interesting. I saw the expression from Caps. Uh, Hagen was a very good sport. He was sitting on the saddle. Yeah. There's a little <laughs> bit of drama there if you were able to see the show or, or the stream or be here and watch the big screen. But they had the driver that was the quickest, they would set him on, on a, a saddle. And it was kind of a makeshift bull, right? And when someone ran quicker, well, that driver would have to step down. And, and I'll give it to Matt Hagen. I, I think Cruz declined. I don't blame him because he would have had to sit there. And he knew that some <laughs> other cars were going to run quicker. Yeah. So, you know, some of these drivers have this little thing called dignity. So <laughs> Cruz, Cruz declined. But Hagen was a very good sport. And he waited until Tasca got up on the stage and handed it to him. But uh, it's just it's good to see that level of competition in Funny Car because we expected Caps. Yep. We fully expect Robert Height to be in the mix and Matt Hagen. And now they have company. But you still have the drivers and the teams like Wilkerson, Cruz, if he can get his car back, J.R. Todd, if they can get it together, you still have these cars yep. that can knock out and play a big role in this championship chase. Yeah, I mean, look at the field. I think we have, what, 12 or 13 cars qualified in yes. threes. So, you know, that that's a that's a deep stage, maybe for, you know, who knows? You know, come come elimination time. You got somebody on the show. Even John Force is up, what, top four or five. And look, Haddock, we all want Terry Haddock. So Terry Haddock, fellow Texan, has never run in the threes. We have been almost willing for him so to close. do it. So and close. And they keep running 4-0 and 4-0-1. They laid a 4-0-1 up last night. Uh, not laid it up. That's what they put up on the board. But they are trying to get it to go threes. Johnny West said it's going to do it and probably when we least expect it. But one last point I wanted to ask you, Phil, on the, on the Tasca situation. As a journalist, is the most fascinating part of this story when we we see two guys who have worked out here for decades but have never worked together when we see two guys because you've seen every yeah. combination of personnel that's ever existed out here right but that one hasn't existed before this year and my god look what they're doing right and it really clicked you know Bob, bob's quick to say that he's had a lot of crew chiefs and assistant crew chiefs and you know maybe one guy took the dominant role and the other guy was kind of but these two guys he just clicked together they make the decisions together and they're on the same page which i think is, is really important you got not two guys pulling in different directions or different philosophies. And I think between Aaron and Todd, I think that's really made a difference. And Phil, I only have one request from you before you leave. Uh, just take us back in time. Uh, we're going to we're gonna highlight on the show some of the great Texas racers like Eddie Hill, Kenny Bernstein. But can you tell us a Raymond Beetle story? Because I oh, grew yeah. up around this sport in the 70s, late 70s. You know I'm yeah. partial to the funny car drivers like Billy Meyer. But can you tell us a brief and interesting 
Raymond Beetle because he truly was yeah. a superstar. I, I, I think one of the greatest Raymond Beetle moments was his rollover in Gainesville. Car goes out half track, gets loose, rolls it over on the lid, lands on all four wheels, gets up, salutes the crowd, <laughs> and the announcer comes over and says, "Wow, Raymond, you, you took a hard hit." And he goes, "Nah, my wife hit me harder than that." <laughs> he, he was he was a tough Texan, tough as they come. That's right. And he and Kenny Bernstein went to high school together, right? right. Lubbock, Texas, yeah. Pretty amazing stuff. So let's just set the scene for the day, Phil, as you get ready to go back and, and put in your work for the day. What are you looking to see out here? If there's any notable cars you think may need to pick up, if there's anybody that's going to try to hold spots, who, who are you looking at today? I'm looking to see if Doug Clitt can get back around Steve Torrance. I mean, we know that they're proud of the performance they've had, and we know, you know, Alan Johnson always wants to go for the throat, and I think that they're going to take a shot at number one. And, you know, obviously we're kind of getting ready for Sunday too, so yeah. there'll be a lot, 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 of, a lot of that going on. You know, will there be a battle for number one? I don't think. Can somebody get by Kramer's 48? I mean, the conditions seem right. You know, I think it's easily doable. I don't know about Funny Car and Top Fuel. Those were some big runs. The track temperature, I think, will be in check. Uh, the question is, how much will the UV play into right. the available traction? But of course, in Pro Stock and Pro Stock Bike, they love this air. Right now, the Nitro teams are detuning their engines. They're putting thicker gaskets. Yeah. They're going to slow the blower down just because the air has improved so right. much for the Pro Stock cars and the bikes. Right now, they're loving this because they can't make the adjustments the Nitro cars have. So we should see some quicker and better times from them. How many years has it been, Phil, since you got the chair at National Dragster? 41 years. 41 years this guy has been steering the ship at National Dragster. He is uh, a legend in his own right, and it's great to have him up here. Phil, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. He'll be directing his... Uh, I'll be directing my editorial now. Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's actually going to go to work and make a living. We'll be joined by Ron Caps here in just a minute. But, Phil, once again, thank you. Thank you, guys. Great to be on. You know, Tony, you and I, uh, you and I spent the better part of the last week or so just kind of drooling over what this weather forecast looked like, and we get our hopes up a lot when we see these things, and obviously stuff changes, but this one has kind of gone exactly what the weatherman said, and when we see a weekend like this that actually gets better day by day, how does that change what goes on inside these trailers with crew chiefs? Well, I think it comes at a good time for them, and we always talk about this on the show, these conditions favor certain teams. This is going to play into the hands of Doug Coletta. This is going to favor a Mike Salinas team that we saw run 300 miles an hour two weeks ago at the eighth of a mile. So there are certain teams that, um, that would prefer to run in these conditions. And I think what we saw last night has already exceeded what, what I would have expected because the first session, you know, and, and Ron, we could talk about this a little bit, but typically when you come here to Dallas and it's 85 degrees or it's 90 degrees or 95 degrees, it takes one, one session of a lot of tire smoke to lay some rubber down on the track. Even though it's concrete, the groove is real narrow, that wasn't the case yesterday. So I think that what we saw yesterday, I don't think that drama has ended. So we are joined by our second guest, Ron Caps, driver of the Napa GR Supra. Hey who has uh, now been put on display the rest of the season when you come out to see us in Vegas or Pomona, or even if you're here this weekend, you can go over and see the Snake Tribute car. How cool is that that it's going to be out for people to check out? Yeah, especially the West Coast. we got a lot of people that didn't go to Indy, you know, and uh, I've been bombarded on Facebook and Instagram, and yes, die-cast cars will be coming, and shirts and hats. We're just trying, we're working on that, but so cool that Toyota said, hey, we're going to be, we're going to have our display at the last three West Coast races. Um, can we get it wrapped? And I said, absolutely. So, and there's a rumor Don Perdome may come up Saturday at Pomona. If you're making a trip, anybody for the finals, uh, he'll come up and we're going to bring out those autograph cards. So 
They're uh, they're up like 500 bucks on eBay. Nice. Apparently, with Dom Perdome signing them. So it's not me that signed them. It's Dom Perdome. But yeah, very cool for Toyota to have it. So check it out if you get a chance. Ron, we were talking about the conditions. We were talking about some of the big runs that we saw last night. Of course, you guys were in front of the cars that that really got aggressive. Tasca and um, and Matt Hagen. Well, what, what's in store for you guys? I mean, you recognize these cool conditions. Do you feel that as a team you can run just as quick, if not quicker, than what we saw last night? I thought so. And then Greedo, you know, he made a, a mention last night when I left the trailer that the sun will be out all day. So it's not going to be as killer as we think. Even though conditions are cooler, I don't know. I feel yeah. like you. I feel like they will be. <laughs> we made our 88 run last night, and he was a little bummed out. He didn't trim the GR Supra body out, spoiler-wise, in the back. Um, he felt like that was way too much spoiler. So, And those conditions weren't that great. And yet yeah. you saw the 88s and yeah. the 87s. So I think you're going to see mid-80s. I, I feel like, like you, I feel like these conditions are going to warrant it. This track is always better than you think. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you go up there and I, I remember three years ago, I think it was, middle of the day, Robert Height was struggling and we were fighting a championship. Of course, he was in the hunt. And I just remember the run they made was like run of the century to me because the conditions were miserable. And Jimmy Proc went down the track like a tenth quicker than everybody else did at this race. And I, I told Robert the other end, and I said, dude, that was a ball breaker right there. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. absolutely killed the rest of the team. So this track has always warranted more horsepower, more clutch, and it's always taken it. Well, we always talk about Saturday runs being a setup for race day, and reality is tomorrow's going to look a lot like this, but that means it is going to be hella fast, potentially the fastest Sunday we've had all season long. And we had it last year. We had that yeah. storm come in. I remember strapping in for the final, and, and rain was coming again, and it was like 8 o'clock. It was throwdown. It was uh, rushed to get, to get suited and get in the car and get staged, and it started sprinkling on Hagen and I as we were staging, and I think we went side-by-side side, 85s yeah. or 6s, and and luckily we got the win, but that's what this is going to be tomorrow. I mean, today's going to be great. You're going to be seeing great runs, but, yeah, tomorrow's going to be, man, you, you pull the belts a little tighter. Um, that's when I love having a crew chief, and Tony can, can back me up on this. You love having a crew chief that can throw down, right? But you need that same kind of crew chief when it's hot, it's humid, it's tricky, and I've got that in Guido, I think. Um, and he's not afraid to throw down. And he was—he came in and apologized to me last night that we didn't go 82 or 81. And I love that, that he was shooting for that. But I told him I will take an 88 and an 85 on two runs on Friday any day of any weekend. They can have that money last night, Tasca. He needs it, I know. But uh, those points on Sunday, those 20 points are going to be more. Ron, running for this championship. How has the dynamic changed that you guys now have company? When I say you guys, it's you, it's Hagen, it's Robert Height. That seems to be, that has really been the chase over the last several years. You guys have some pretty tough company. Has that changed your strategy or your outlook at all? No, we, uh, gosh, we, we put a new clutch package, believe it or not, starting the countdown. He, wow, he changed, gutsy. Not on purpose. And I'll be honest with you, they found some of the chassis at the shop in between the last race and here and had to get a front half, which Tony can tell you is basically a new car and a funny car. Um, so to come here and go 88 off the trailer yeah. with brand new, I mean, hadn't been down the track was huge. So taking that all into, I mean, yeah, we're in the hunt. It's the same teams. I just feel like there's some teams that aren't in the hunt, and I've been yeah. there, and they're pissed. They're, they're tired dangerous. of hearing about Hagen, Caps. Height yeah. and Tasca, 
And, and I've been in this position where there's three races to go, and you know you're not going to win a championship, and now you're out to hurt feelings, right? That you makes you nothing. even more dangerous. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it really is. So I've said it time and time again in the countdown. I'm not worried about the front runners. It's these other ones that, uh, that you see just pop up all of a sudden, and they don't care anymore, and they're starting to test for next year. You mentioned you know you'd love having a crew chief that can throw down and, and obviously the track record now with guido and you guys is is 100 proven championship level was there any part of that early transition when john medlin stepped away and retired was there any part in the back of your mind that it's like man we're losing that balance of the scale maybe the one guy who always wants to push it the one guy who always wants to pull it back was that ever a concern for you oh it, yeah we, you know john medlin you can't replace the, you can't replace him Overall, not even the tune-ups. Uh, you know, we came in the championship Sunday morning, and I walked in. It was like Cheech and Chong movie. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on in the trailer? It had a weird smell. or smoke everywhere. And he was burning this stuff that rid bad spirits. I, I, I kid you not. And I'm like, what? And it was sage or some weird Indian deal. And we had some freakish stuff that happened on Friday with the car. All, I mean, just strange stuff. And here we are battling for championship, and we're trying to gain points on Robert Height, right, to get above that 30 points. And Robert and us, first run, nobody gets down the track. It's like anticlimactic. And then we had, like, something strange happen. So John was ridding the bad spirits. So it's little things like that that I miss. Um, but I also questioned, you know, starting the year out, I'm sure Guido in the back of his mind wondered how he was going to be without yeah. having that, that yeah. John meddling around him. Um, and I think that first win we got, you could tell, yeah, he had a, new, a guy he picked for his assistant crew chief. We moved somebody up internally. But I, I know Guido did have that in the back of his mind. He never said it. Yeah. He never was public about it. But I, I knew that. nature. Yeah, I, I, I think he was very relieved more than anything. Well, things have changed a little bit in 20 years because I spent a lot of time around John Medlin. It wasn't burning anything when we won our, <laughs> our championships. I'll just leave it at that. You know, Ron, now being a three-time guy chasing the fourth one, how does that change, not not the mental attitude, but when you understand where you are in the points, you understand where you're sitting right now. Before you had one, this is probably when you're chewing your fingernails. Now that you got three of them, you understand maybe how the mechanics of actually winning one of these things works. I'm kind of the opposite. I, I don't, really? not that I don't care, it's weird. Um, and I was this way last year. I'm like, whatever happens is gonna happen. Sure, Sunday morning you wake up and you're, you got bald eagles flying around your stomach, not butterflies, and it's, you know, it's you know it's do or die here. It's not, but you know it is, yep. right? And we ended up winning here. Then we we sucked in Vegas, and we thought it was over with. Yep. Then we went on to win it. So I've learned over the years more probably of the four or five times that I've lost a championship by this much. Um, but th it's weird this weekend. I'm like, I don't. I'm here, and I know we're going to do the best we can. And whatever happens, happens. Um, I don't. I, it's funny. Like I think maybe last year's season be a little bit of finally coming from behind and, and pulling that off. That I know whatever we do is gonna. What I, I can't control it. Yeah. I can go and you it can sounds, do what you can do, and after that, yeah, yeah. it sounds cliche, but it's it's just I, I'm in a weird place right now. A good weird place, but I'm <laughs> in a weird place. Ron, I'm gonna downshift on you here a little bit and take you back. About a year ago, you had a close call with Dale Creasy Jr. He came into your lane. I mean, it was close at a, a speed of close, close to it gets. 260 miles an hour. It's just at half track. What's your take on what you saw yesterday with Creasy? Wow, it was close to the same thing. I, yeah, I, I just know people said, "Man, great job of missing Creasy." And listen, 
I, I, was, I was in Dave Richards' place, and all you can do, and nowadays these cars don't react as quick. Yeah. They're hauling the mail, and uh, I was, I've was i been in both those positions, as you have as well. You just, things happen so fast, and what happened to us in Norwalk, we were just plain lucky not to hit. I mean, just plain lucky. Dale's one of the best. He's been doing it a long time, and that car, these cars will make a fool out of you in a heartbeat still. Yeah. Even the best of the best. John Force, who's the GOAT, uh, still has, you know, you see him, and when he does it, he's made a million runs, so... Yeah, I, I, uh, that's always scary, and it's in the back of your mind all the time, especially your family at home that aren't here and they're watching TV. You know, they kind of get that, that and, feeling. And then, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's not complacency in terms of the fan base, in terms of us, but, and you never want to have that reminder, but there is every once in a while, it is like all of a sudden this exclamation point flashes in your mind that, this is freaking dangerous, you know, and, and and we can never lose sight of that. And I'm sure as a driver, I'm, I'm interested in that perspective for you. Having done, made a gazillion runs, right? We always talk about how every run's different. But in seeing something like that, is that something in the back of your mind that's just like, yep, it's a little bit of a reminder that this, this is actually pretty damn dangerous? Oh, it is. We have a false sense of security, especially funny cars. They lower the body, and there's a piece of metal that's this thin that blocks us from seeing the engine. And we feel like, right? You feel you like almost feel safe. Yeah. You, and you forget that what's on the other side of that, it, we're not really as protected as we think we are. And really, in a funny car, you feel like you're in control more than you really are. I, I would rather be in the car than watch something like that. I'd rather be Dave yeah. Richards in the car. I feel like I would be safer. But, yeah, you're reminded. And, you know, once in a great while we have these really bad accidents, yeah. and then you see somebody get out and walk away. Yeah. And then you're reminded of the accident part of it. But you're also reminded of, of what we learned from the Blaine Johnsons, the Daryl Russells, yeah. John Force here, yeah. all the stuff that, that was catastrophic and could have been and was. Yeah. We lost lives, yeah. but we learned from it. And, you know, Blaine's up there, Daryl's, they're all looking down saying, what, what happened? We learned from. And, uh, and that's the only thing. If we had accidents like that, and like last night, um, and you don't learn anything, that's. Forget about it. Yeah, yeah. it's bad. So. You know, let's talk about a fellow team Toyota driver, not in your category. This is a guy named Doug Coletta that's 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 running pretty well. And as I know as much as a racer and pro driver as you are, you're also a fan. You also you also love this sport on that level too. This guy, this is this it? We used to ask this question about you. Is this it? Is this the guy's time? Well, I I mean my God, yeah. I got tired of the questions before yeah. two thousand sixteen. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I was being compared to all these athletes that had never won, but Dan Marino, everybody Dan says Marino, Dan Marino. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, listen, I, if Doug pulls it off, which God, I hope he does. It, it, the the Tuesday or Monday Monday, Monday award ceremony. Um, I feel sorry for whoever wins a championship in the other divisions because <laughs> it won't even matter, right? It's going to be nuts, and I'm going to be right there to buy him a shot first. Um, I, I, I am so pulling for them, and listen, we all have a lot sure. of friends and people we know in Dragster, but it, it is a Doug Coletta story. Everybody wants this guy to win it so bad, and it's good to see him running good. And I think something that's really overlooked when you talk about a Doug Coletta, myself, you, John Force, just go back in their history. Just go back in their history a little bit. I think those tough losses, especially for Doug Coletta, have made this guy what he is today. I think that's why he... Uh, you know, you talk about the hunger, the motivation, uh, but really he's, I think he's fine-tuned what he does in the race car, so I think that's really going to help propel him. You know, Steve Torrance isn't going away. I think there's some other wild cards, but right now, if you're Doug Coletta, that's the car that I want. That's really the driver that I want to see in this car in this hunt for the championship. 
listen, you know what's funny is what, what's going to pay off is this whole year, right? Doug's car sucked, right? I mean, you ask Alan Johnson, they just, whatever reason, but it's all those runs that Doug made and still got in the car and did the same exact thing, cut the lights the best he could, knowing that they were not running well. And I've been yeah. there, you've been there. It's not when you're hauling ass and your car's great and you're winning races and just everything's perfect. That you, you get up on the wheel and you just drive. you got to get great hot rod. It's when you're not, and you've got to strap in. You go, man, it may not make it down. i got to pedal it. You just don't feel great about it. It's those all year long that Doug's done that time and time again. And, you know, it's like going to the Kentucky Derby and riding a mule, as Don <laughs> Perdome would say. You know you're not going to be at the front of the pack. And now it's, it is. And so that's – listen, the guy flies Learjets, and he's flown, you know – some pretty cool yes. stuff. Sprint um, car champion. Sprint car champion at Winchester. I mean, the stuff he's done. So this is not a big deal on his radar, yet it is. I'll leave it at this. It's easy to it's easy to smile. It's easy to drive. It's easy to do all these things when you're winning. But Doug Coletta is one tough individual because of what he's been through. Well, Ron, thank you very much. I'll leave you with one last question before we let you go to your Toyota autograph session, and that is, what will OET be in Funny Car today? Just today? Just today. Oh man, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with an 82. Ooh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I like it. We run at five o'clock. We're behind top fuel. Funny cars are. Um, the the problem is this wind. And Tony will tell you. In a funny car, when you get past the grandstand, it, <laughs> it blocks the grandstands block the wind a lot. But but you're having to to hang on to it. Last night, I mean, I was like this, steering into the wind from from the grandstand on. So. That's going to be the key. If you can keep it in the left lane off the center line and the right lane off the wall um, and get it to the finish line because guys are going to be throwing down. Well, Ron, you can head off your autograph session. I'm going to be joined by Matt Hagen here in just a moment when Matt uh, arrives on the scene. But I think he's still in traffic out there. He might, he might <laughs> still be. He might still be. He's Ron Caps. He'll be in his Napa GR Super today. Once again, chasing a fourth world championship. Thank you, Ron. Ron, thank you very much. And again, Matt will be here in just a moment or two, but let's touch back on Pro Stock, and let's touch back on Derek Kramer, who made the quickest run of the season last night at 648. Derek's car has been very good throughout a lot of this season, and we saw what it really can be last night. I think there's something wrong with me, because I'm shivering up here. You're not. Look at he me. He wasn't, but he's I'm carrying a, a lot more insulation than you are. That's, the, that's my secret to success you know, here. The interesting thing about Derek Kramer's run is I don't think it'll stand for low ET. Yep. Um, I think... Uh, I think when you look at his team and and the growth that they've had, and, and I, we've talked about this, the biggest surprise is that Derek Kramer for a couple of years really wasn't in that conversation. Um, but he was at one time. So they have a very good yes. program. They have good equipment. Uh, he's an a, a excellent driver. He's, yes. I would rate him as a top five driver in pro stock. And when you're talking top five, you're talking quite a bit of talent um, and his tuner. And I think the yes. chemistry between them and being able to read the conditions. And, um, you know, Heiner, uh, you know, this is just such an yeah. impressive little story. We ran into him. Uh, several races ago, and and I've never really had a, a, an in-detail, in-depth sure. conversation with him, but we talked about the conditions, the density, altitude, the humidity, all the things that play a role in how these cars perform, and pretty much to a thousandth, not a hundredth, yeah. not, not, a, not a tenth, to the thousandth of a second, he forecasted what that car should run, 
and I'll be danged if he didn't go out there and do it. So it just goes to show you how much attention they pay to detail because it's such a close uh, uh, class and they don't really have disposable horsepower like the nitro car. So very articulate. A, I want to do a quick fan poll out here. So uh, who here is pulling for Greg Anderson in pro stock? Right. Who here is pulling for, um, oh, Erica Enders? The Texas crowd, the Texas crowd, is uh, the hands went flying up. Are you familiar with the guy named Matt Hartford? Does he move anyone here? <laughs> See, Hartford's, Hartford's our, our dark horse candidate <laughs> at the moment. And so we said this on our Insider earlier this week, but the idea that, that he really needs to almost prove to himself what he's capable of this weekend. Yeah, you know, confidence goes a long way. Um, but, you know, timing. Timing yep. does and finding a rhythm. And, and, you know, this is Matt's real first time that he's been a threat. You know, when you're leading, when you're in a car that's leading the points going into the most important time of the season, that's really the test yeah. for every driver. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure that comes with it. Um, you know, there's the, the financial, the monetary part of winning a championship, uh, the bonuses from your sponsors, and, and just the prestige of it. And, you know, when a driver leaves the racetrack, uh, you know, they all go different directions. Some might go to the bar, some might go to their family. Yeah. Who knows what they do? But, you know, a lot of these drivers that have won championships, like Ron Capps, you know, they've been through it. Yep. We've, we've uh, slept, had those sleepless nights. We've had those nights that we slept like a baby. But it, it's not like a normal day for, for a person. It's not like a normal work day because you have all these thoughts that are running in your head. And that's what Matt Hartford has to contend with. So he's either going to toughen up and rise to the occasion like we've seen some drivers do. I believe he can, I yes. believe he is going to, but that is the test that all these drivers are gonna get put through. So I've just got to note, Matt Hagen is en route. He'll be here any moment now. We'll stick him up in this third chair and have a quick chat with him before we end our Insider Live. We did not and have not talked enough about Robert Heist's performance out here this weekend. Let's set the stage there. Well, Robert Height, you know, when you, you talk about Caps and you talk about Hagen, the interesting thing about all three of them in the past, now it's Tasca, but when you have a conversation about those three cars, and let's just go back two weeks ago, it was Matt Hagen that won the race. He beat Caps. Tasca was in the semifinal. All the cars that we're talking about were in the semifinals. That's the way it should be. May not happen here. May. Yes. It may happen because they just seem to have the best cars. But, you know, when Robert wins a race, all of a sudden we're thinking <laughs> Robert Heights the favorite. But that's how yeah. good they are. That's how strong that team is. So, you know, if I had to, if I had to scale those three teams, never count caps out. Right. Matt Hagen shows up. He, he races hard, yeah. he's a heads-up guy, um, and they're always a big threat. But of the three, I would say that Robert Height, and I, I mean, I'm just talking giving him the slight edge, not because it's a force team, but he has really evolved into, into a high-level driver that is very competitive. He has arguably one of the best tuners that's, that's ever tuned a Nitro Funny Car. He's, he's in the league with the Dale Armstrong and some of the all-time greats, Austin Coyle. But they have chemistry. If you go yeah. back, you can go back 15 years. It was Robert Height and Jimmy Proc. <laughs> right. So that that has some value. And you know, of course, uh, Antonelli has been. Yes. You know, they're they're developing the same thing. But these guys have had it. They've had it for a long time. So that, for me, and and for a few other reasons, give them the slightest edge. But right now, Robert, just like the the, the other two that we talked about, they've got their hands full with Tasca. On the top fuel side of things, Justin Ashley has won this race in back-to-back -back years. He needs to win it back-to-back-to-back -to, -back -to, -back to really get himself back on the footing he's needed. Their early countdown races have not been kind to that team. They were the best team through the regular season. They dominated the Mission Too Fast, Too Tasty challenges. And 
they're not out of it yet. But if they if they come out here and have another first round loss, we we, we need to rewrite that story. But when you come here and you have run one back-to-back, they made two solid qualifying runs, not necessarily on top of the field, but two runs down the racetrack under power gives them the ability to stand on it hard today. I think I think they're in a position that they have to. Um, yeah. I'm not going to say. I mean, it's 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 a it's a make or break. It's all or nothing. It's fight or flight for a lot of teams, but not necessarily for that team. They've had a couple of bad races. And they're still in the hunt, and that so that really shows you that what they have done in the past, and and so they're they're still within striking range. But you know, forget about the competition today. However quick these cars can run, I, I think that really has to be the mindset. I, I ran yeah. into David Grubnick in the staging lanes yesterday, and um, you know I could just tell that that's what is running through the minds of these tuners. And you know, for some of the drivers, I think there are better drivers than others. So I think some of these tuners are going to set the car up. They're going to say, look, we feel we can run in this range. Yep. I'm going to leave it up to my driver to win or lose. Well, to Spencer Massey made a nice run in the 70s last night, and that's a guy, if you get him within two or three hundredths of his opponent, he can buy you that in the starting line. So that's he's going to throw a wrinkle in it. But just to double back on Justin Ashley, last year their countdown started strong and faded very badly at the end. This year it started weak. If they can simply flip the script on what they did last year, it may have a much more positive outcome. Yeah, and the performance we saw in the first qualifying run was very solid. It was competitive. Uh, it led me to believe that, okay, these guys, they're, they're not out of the picture yet. Right. But when they ran to 67, even though they wound up, I think, fourth, yes. um, they're still in the hunt. I think, I think that is bad news for, you know, as good as Steve Torrance is, and he can show up and, and he can wobble, as good as Doug Collette is, you cannot deny the numbers. You can't, you can't look at the, the average reaction time of a driver, and right. and and Josh Hart's second, but but you know he, he compromises some of his elapsed time the way he stages. Yeah. That's great. That that'll win you some races. That'll send your opponent packing. But when you look at the, the the quickness of Justin Ashley, if he's within two to three hundredths of a second of anyone else, I'm going with that guy yeah. for that reason. <laughs> And that's an absolute fact, and the numbers bear this out. You know, we keep a lot of detailed stats over the course of the season, and it's not simply about uh, who's better reaction time, but we keep a stat called the speed index, which basically talks about how often a car goes to the finish line under power. And that's really the defining one that ends up becoming the reason why people end up in the points. And we you mentioned Leah Pruitt a few minutes ago, and that is the reason why she is currently second in the points right now, because that car, when put into service on Sundays, makes the trip to the finish line. Yeah, if you saw some of the analytics that came from Fox, you would think that this is the NFL or the NBA. There's just so much. So we see a pattern. We detect a pattern. But we look at the numbers. And and on average, you know, Leah has been there. And I, you know, made a couple of comments. Nobody saw her coming because maybe they didn't expect yeah. for her to be coming into this race second in the second points. points yeah. But we talked about this on the podcast. Um, I think for a driver, this is the ideal situation that you want. But it does come with pressure. It does come with, with its headaches. But, you know, these drivers, uh, when I mentioned the, the test that everybody gets put through, this is the ultimate test for a driver because right now you arguably have one of the greatest errors in top fuel. You have youth. Yes. You have experience. You have that contrast. And you got about eight of them. There's, yes. not, there's not four or five. There might be five that are in the hunt. But there's still Clay Milliken. He's got momentum. Right. He's not going anywhere. He can win any time. You got Sean Langdon that's 
He's he's in the top three in yes. terms of drivers on the starting line. All of a sudden, he's got a car. So you know, Leah has her hands full. But but again, this is the opportunity for her to show the strength of that team and to show as a driver she can really etch her mark into this conversation by by being good, by being solid. She's done a very good job in the past of of maintenancing the throttle yep. when the car loses traction. Uh, at times, she has been good on the starting line, uh, sometimes better than good. Yes. And and that's what it's going to take. We are seconds away from getting Matt Hagen. I promise you the man is on his way. The American Rebel Dodge driver will be here momentarily. But one last thing to touch on before we get Matt up here on the stage. There was a test session at Indy last week. And we don't normally talk about teams, you know, maybe a Monday test session after a race, but a dedicated midweek test session in the middle of the countdown, not something we normally see. So that kind of speaks to the commitment out here. Yeah, and I think for some of the teams, um, they're not willing to throw the talent just yep. yet. Uh, you know, Austin Proc was one of them. The DHL Funny Car was another. And, and I think there's some ulterior motives there. Of course, sure. Doug Collette is in the hunt. Um, you know, so testing never hurts. And I, I think for the DHL team, there's a car that when it wins, and it has yeah. won a lot of races when they're in the winner's circle, we always think, well, th these guys can actually run they're with back. the top three. Yeah. Um, but it just seems to it just seems to come and go. So they're after not just consistency now, they're after some performance. And, you know, if you wonder, well, why would, uh, you know, Sean Langdon be testing? Well, they came out and ran <laughs> three, 368. So yeah. that just goes to show you that the conditions there are so much different. There is hum some humidity. Yeah. But that is one of the things that, that appealed to these crew chiefs from – from Thursday to Friday, and there wasn't any racing, any nitro racing on Thursday, but from the start of yesterday till an hour or two before they ran, they recognized that the humidity dropped like 50 points. So that's a lot. If they do nothing to their car, it's going to it's gonna get uh, give them another 50, close to 100 engine RPM. So they have to make the adjustments around that. But when you have very low humidity in cool conditions like we have right now, it's just a lot easier for them to make power. And let's just set the stage one last time for what we will watch today. For those of you that are at home, you have NHRA.TV. Make sure you tune in that way. You're going to watch our final qualifying show on FS1 on Sunday, which will lead right into our elimination show. But it is a rare day, a very rare day on a Saturday when Alan Johnson gets to throw the chains off and unleash himself. Dickie Venables gets to do it. All the premier cars are locked, they are in, and they are comfortable. So today can really become kind of the ultimate test for them, and we don't normally get to see that. No, it is going to be the ultimate test for them. It was last night, and it really was in the first session. But I think, for the most part, the approach to the first session was there was a target. And, and it was a pretty, it was a modest target for the conditions, but that allowed those teams to make to make the crusher runs that we yeah. saw last night. And, you know, when I woke up this morning, I looked at the temperature, I looked at the temperature, and, and I thought to myself, and when I walked out and, and, <laughs> and got a dose of this cool air, I didn't think you had it here in Dallas, Texas, at least not yet. But I think all the tuners felt the same way. They thought that today could be a lot different than what they forecasted and what they saw in the forecast because it's all over the place, right? At one time, it was in the low 80s, and at one point, it was in the high 60s. So I think they have what they want. And um, like we talked about, the question is, is how much grip 
is the track going to have? Is the grip level going to be as high as it was last night? Maybe not. Maybe not because of the direct sun, the UV. But like Ron mentioned, by 5 o'clock, that sun is going to be off. In fact, aren't we going to have an eclipse here? Isn't it supposed to be going dark? Yes. So you guys Anytime. are going to you guys are going to be treated to something that even we couldn't have drawn up and planned. But this is uh, going to be a rare day in, in NHRA drag racing where we're going to have about an 85% coverage of the sun during what will end up being, I think, alcohol cars. So it's going to be before the 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 fuel cars and the pro stock cars run. But depending on how long that lasts it's going to kill a lot of that stuff we're talking about. There's not going to be a lot of UV when there's a planet blocking the sun in the way here for a little while to this morning. Yeah, so you talk about the planet planets aligning right. It just may do that for some of the teams. But I think that the grip and the track temperature, for the most part, dictates yes. what these cars and how quick they can perform, what they're going to run. Uh, I think it's going to be as good as they would like for it to be. Absolutely is. So we are, uh, we're, given, uh, we're given our big... Dodge funny car driver, a last call here. He said he's coming, man. The guy told me he's coming. He'll stand me up. But listen, let's just, before Matt sits down, and, and if we get here in the next minute or two, we'll, we'll grab him and throw him on here. Can Matt Hagen get around Bob Tasker the third today? Can that happen? We heard Ron say he expects an 82 could be available. Are you buying that or you're selling it? Well, they are going to try. In fact, they, they're willing to die trying. I, <laughs> I, I might throw that in there. Um, I don't, I don't, that's a pretty tall order, you know. When we saw that number come up on the board, we saw the header flames because it was at night. And the end result looks easy. It's like, wow, the conditions were there and they pulled it off. But it just, it, there's so many moving components and so many things that have to happen at the right time. They have to have the clutch settings right. They have to have the, the, the I mean, to, Everything's the, gotta be to the spot, perfect. the right amount of fuel, the application. Um, you know, the, the front end, I think, on all the cars were kind of dangling a little bit. Um, but there's no question. They are going to shoot for that because they have every reason to. I, you know, to come out here and run a 385, a 386, they know they can do that. They can, yeah. they can order that up in the second round when they're going to need it against a tough opponent tomorrow. But today, I don't see any reason that those top four or top five funny cars in qualifying right now would not try something that they haven't done in the past. Or like Star Trek says, go where no man has gone before. All right, so we are going to call it a morning here, this NHRA Insider live from the pits here at the Texas Motorplex. It has been a great conversation. Phil Burgess, obviously a legend, 40 years on the job as the editor of National Dragster Magazine. Always great to talk to Ron Caps, kind of get his impressions of what we should look for and pay attention to. Tony and I are going to have to go dress up like adults here in a couple minutes and do our open for our <laughs> qualifying show, which will air on Sunday. But make sure you tune in. If not on NHRA.TV, make sure you tune in on FS1, a five-hour block, two hours of qualifying coverage tomorrow, right into our elimination show. We're going to inject the nitro cars with the drag strip. He's Tony Pedragon. I'm Brian Loans. He's going to put on a jacket because he's shivering. And we'll see you at the next race to the NHRA Insider Live in Vegas. Thanks, everybody.